Welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast with me, your host, Eli Rubel, formerly Elias, but hey, names are hard. This is the show where we unpack and benchmark the methods and tactics used to reduce CAC by the most efficient and fastest growing companies in tech. Frequent listeners will know demand efficiency is a leading indicator and North Star metric for teams focused on reducing CAC. And in each episode, we'll evaluate how the best companies in the industry are driving down their cost to acquire while still achieving remarkable growth. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast. Today's guest, another one of my favorites, Sydney Sloan. Sydney was the CMO at Salesloft for a little over four years and is currently the executive or one of the executives in residence over at Scale Venture Partners. Really excited for today's lever. Today's lever is all about the level of sophistication that you can achieve in your ad programs across your channels and the opportunity that that presents to drive further demand efficiency. This is a little bit more in the area of what folks traditionally think of when they think of we need to reduce our costs to acquire, we need to get more optimized in channels. Although we're not really talking about bidding strategies or keyword optimization, we're not talking channel granularity, we're talking about the essentials, the fundamentals, and then the add-ons that can increase the efficiency in those channels, so or across those channels rather. In our conversation, you'll hear us talk about the when and how of layering in sophistication. You know, it's not realistic from a budget perspective, resource perspective, or time perspective for really early stage companies to try to go to a level 10 of sophistication across all of the different buckets where you can get complicated or, or build in complexity that, that ultimately is beneficial. You know, early stage companies may only want to focus on a few of these things, do them really well until they have grown revenue and are at a place with their team and budgets that it actually makes sense to layer in the sophistication. But certainly at a ground floor level, we talk about it, how crucial it is. And, you know, we've seen this across our portfolio of companies, whether it's you know, Loom, Com, Hop and Product Board, these companies that we've helped get to baseline sophistication and then begin to exceed that where table stakes, you really have to understand your personas. You'll hear Sydney and I talk about that. And, and it's no accident that marketing leaders who have been there, done that, like us, keep coming back to that for early stage companies and even later stage companies because it so easily changes and so easily loses focus. And if you don't have that level of focus around type messaging and personas throughout the entire journey, everything else comes unraveled. Obviously, technology can play a big role in adding sophistication and capabilities, but a lot of the times, earlier stage companies will lean too heavily on their expectations that technology can just be bolted on and boom, everything is great. Because at the end of the day, it's just technology. It still needs people and process habits and just the DNA of the marketing team still has to align and then leverage that software to actually make them better and add sophistication. So it's not a given that you just sign up for fill in the blank really cool tool that everybody else has and bam, you've solved your problems and you've added efficiency. 
building on the you know deep understanding and clarity around personas and tight messaging throughout the entire journey is the following the through line from ad to landing page as far as messaging to next steps again keeping the messaging consistent throughout all of those touch points each one of those is an opportunity to miss on a conversion every single step every single step is also on the positive side an opportunity to reinforce your message to reinforce why they're giving you the time of day to reinforce why they clicked in the first place and if you miss on any of those again it's just efficiency loss and when we're talking across ad platforms and channel mix there but paid acquisition that's money you're throwing down the drain so it makes a ton of sense to get sophisticated up to the level that makes sense for the stage you are at today so Without further ado, Sydney has a lot of great thoughts on this topic. We are going to dive in with our case today with Sydney Sloan. All right, Sydney. So we were just talking about stage appropriate levels of sophistication and how that added sophistication can add to creating efficiency in your demand programs and ultimately reducing costs to acquire. So maybe you could. Take us high level first and think about how did you approach building sophistication into your programs when you're at SalesLoft? I really think you have to take the customer on the journey and that ability to influence them wherever they are through a very well orchestrated ad channel can help not only bring them to you, and I'm going to use references for SalesLoft for everything, but also guide them through that process and guide them in being a customer. I think so many times people aren't investing enough in existing customer relationships where right now net revenue retention and growth, if you can get it, is so key. And so I, we thought about, maybe I'll just you know take you on the customer journey and then we can talk about channels independently. But you know, I, I always think of, three common questions, and and now I'm going to add a fourth. It's why do something, why do something now, and why your company? So why SalesLoft? And then I think the fourth question is how. So the how is really that, you know, post-sales experience and all the great content that you can serve up to them and and how to do things and remind them that they picked the best choice. And so when you're top of funnel and you're thinking of, you know, why do something, you're trying to serve relevant ads to appropriate audiences that answer that question, you know, that are aligned to a key trend or a key pain point. And so I think you really have to think about audience segmentation and messaging in those channels. I think a lot of times though, what's interesting is, you know, you think about the content offers that you you set up and that can be audience specific or audience appropriate, but maybe cross multiple segments if the problem is similar enough. And then once they become an opportunity, they should move into a different grouping. And so now you're talking about why do something now and you're using all your financial metrics, your customer success stories. You know, you, you want to kind of tease into that, that cost of FUD or, or, or fear, sorry, and, you know, what is the cost of strategic and financial delay? So that's where you're using your metrics-driven companies that use our software, get this kind of return ideally companies in their industry. And then once they move into like the negotiate, like stage three, which to me is like their qualified opportunity, they're in not necessarily negotiation, but you're done with discovery. And so they're, they're engaged, they're highly qualified. And so whatever stage your sales team uses for that. And that's when you start to do the, the why sales loft. So 
that's you're using your customer quotes and you're using peer reviews and all the goodness that shares why other people have selected. So I, those are the kinds of messages that I like to put into those three three categories. And then the last one is congratulations, you're part of the family. So all of a sudden, how do you start to really reach them as an advocate and promoting a content that's going to be helpful for them? So if that's your quarterly launch activities, you know, new product capabilities, how-to guides, uh, best practices and benchmarks. So they are seeing where they are in terms of their success now that they've selected you. And so you're promoting those assets. I think In that step between closed one and go live, your team needs to go and capture new contacts. That's a critical step. Those 90 days or whatever that seven days for some people are the most critical in the customer journey's experience and how you treat them through that process. And so I always want to make sure that we're getting our internal champions, the power users, those people that we need to communicate to from an administrative perspective and add those roles to your database. So then you can start doing that email messaging or still advertising to those particular roles. And generally they change. You don't have the financial buyer necessarily in your existing customer communications as much as you would a champion. So Sydney, where technology, obviously this is something that people frequently over-index on or, over, or or think it's going to solve all of their problems in a box. And really, it's the combination of technology and new processes and, and how it's leveraged. So at what point do you begin to leverage in platforms or pieces of technology to help streamline all that activity? Because there's a lot of activity that gets rolled up in what you just described. What's been your process for evaluating? And then what tools have you brought in? Well, I think if you're not using third-party intent and ABM platforms, you know, you're, you're missing out on an efficiency play, even if you're not running a pure ABM program, because you can still do a lot of segmentation and, and add purchasing through those programs versus just doing, you know, broad level. But that's generally where I've started because, you know, you can create like segments even within those that you're, you know, you're broadcasting your, your advertising to, and you can track what your, your reach and engagement is through those platforms. So I think it's really smart to do that. Funny enough, we used Sixth Sense and Demandbase at SalesLoft, and I've been a multi-time Demandbase user. It was because of our partnerships. It's not like I like to pay for the two similar types <laughs> of software. We had really strong partnerships. We wanted to make sure our product integrated with that. So what we decided to do was use one product for each line of business. So we chose Sixth Sense for our enterprise business. Sixth Sense was a little bit stronger in the integrations into sales engagement. And so they had built some custom integrations to sales off that worked really, really well. And so our reps could see what was within Sixth Sense and we were able to design cadences that aligned to the keywords. We were ensuring that people were having relevant conversations based on their their intent interest, which is a lot of times hard to get to if you're just stuffing it into your CRM. And then, you know, I think demand base kind of indexes strongly on. Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, Also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets. 
you name it, if it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out as 2,500 a month, uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out. Noboringdesign.com. Noboringdesign.com. The advertising side, and they've made a lot of really good improvements on even first party engagement and segmentation. So from my team's feedback, you know, it was, it had become much easier to use. And so we were using that in the commercial side of the business. And, and that's where we did a lot of the programmatic, you know, by stage changing of the ads because that side of the business had a much more high velocity motion. And so we could automate that. So that's kind of where, you know, the awareness. Now, of course, we use Google ads. LinkedIn ads are super effective, high cost, but super effective if you have your segmentation and personas really aligned. And so I'm a huge fan for people that are just starting out to just start with LinkedIn. Yes, it's expensive, but you're going to get the best return on just doing a pure LinkedIn campaign and it's relatively easy to use. So, you know, it depends on your channel, but you know, we were we were in a market that was on fire, so Google was also a very large portion of our spend because of competitive plays where, you know, everybody was searching for sales engagement or one of our competitors and and so we had a lot of investment there as well as just the brand itself. So that, that's kind of why I'm thinking top of funnel. And then, you know, as you're going middle of funnel and bottom, we didn't really use a lot of, we had marketing automation in place. We had Marketo, but that was a lot for lead scoring and starting to vet out because we were only working and still only work hot leads. So, you know, how do we still put the leads somewhere where the accounts can mature and engage until they reach a score that it's worth our outbounders engaging with them? So that's kind of how we used Marketo. And then we did a lot of cool things. And I know the team has evolved in, you know, just how to make that that experience between interest and talking to them as quick as possible. And so, you know, getting that down to minutes, it had been days. We kept on refining our processes and and truly just took everything to inbound. So if you were hit any of our hot lead links, which was, you know, take a demo, talk to a salesperson or pricing request, you would immediately go to inbound because we had that so well dialed in. And it didn't make sense for us to, to kind of route those to other people because we, our conversion rates were so high and our response rates were so fast. And so even giving the customer the ability to you know, book their own meetings, although then you have to work harder to make sure, sure they show up at the meeting. So that, that first engagement, then you can use Calendly to do that or Chili Piper, and, and also it's in Salesforce, but it, it works a, different, a little bit of a different way. We also use some really cool integrations into Slack using Workato to highlight to reps when hot leads had come in and we had qualified them, so we're kind of hitting them at both ankles. So they're seeing it in Salesforce, but they're also getting a Slack because it's all about responsiveness, right? Like how can you get to the customer more quickly than maybe other sites that have engaged or other people that are using similar technology? So however you can wire that whole front end of the process to get those leads engaged as quickly as possible. That was our goal. I love how creative some demand teams have gotten around leveraging tools like Workato or Zapier to speed up the time to awareness or routing internally such that you know, folks who are expressing interest get the right treatment. It's really, really cool to see different applications. And never could live without lean data. I mean, you, you got to have your routing right. infrastructure in place. I got to give a shout out to them. You know, you are involved with Stage 2 Capital, you're involved with Scale. 
So you have a lot of exposure, and I'm sure other groups as well, you have a lot of exposure to earlier stage rising companies. In a perfect world, they would be able to roll out these levels of sophistication as early as possible, but obviously there are constraints to early stage, the early stage game. So I'm curious, when it comes to timing, what common mistakes have you seen that you know, if you if you had every single early stage, call it Series A, Series B company listening right now, and the founders are trying to decide when is the right time to add sophistication and to improve demand efficiency through these activities, how would you help them think about that? Yeah. Um, so I did a presentation at Saster last year on this, and it's actually posted on my LinkedIn profile if people want to go see the slides, because I broke it down into kind of three stages. So zero to a million, a million to 500 million, and 500 to 100. You know, my advice is like I talked about the sophistication of those account based systems. It's just really expensive. I, I think it's cost prohibitive for early stage to be able to afford those platforms. And so that's where we're, you know, first. When we're talking first hires, and I have a couple of companies I'm advising that just took their A round and you know not even are not even at a million yet. And so we're talking about, you know, how do you hook up your SDRs with sales engagement? Cause that's gonna be your automation platform for email and phone and kind of those the warm outreach ideally, partnered with the LinkedIn. So that's, you know, if you can get clear on your ideal customer profile, which is so important. And right now I'm advising a lot of companies. You know, you can't make three or four bets anymore. You have to make one or two. So you really have to get tight on your ICP. So you're getting that efficiency of the spend and more of the same types of customers in your funnel. So your teams can, you know, just be more efficient with how they manage it and, and tell better stories and, you know, try and get like, like grouped customers. And so that's, that's what I generally recommend is like LinkedIn plus the sales engagement platform you know, a, a demand gen person who knows how to run the systems and two to three SDRs, never just one, always hire two when you start. They just need that camaraderie. You need to kind of have the baseline. Even if you only have one salesperson, I'd still hire two SDRs. It's amazing the power of uh, even subtle competitiveness, right? They're in it together, but it's also, you know, hey, someone yeah. next to me is out there prospecting and hitting the phones. So Yeah, and you just have the data points of two. Is it their call? Is it you know, is it their email? You can now watch and view all that and monitor it and, and people should be. You should get founders in at that stage too, like doing a day in the life of the SDR once a month, ideally. So they really can help work on the talk tracks and understand what's working and what's not because they're your number one salesperson. And, you know, and then those folks tend to roll up into your, you know, first sales hire. So my last question for you, Sydney, is around the impact of getting to these levels of sophistication. I mean, what sort of impact potential do you think there is to improve demand efficiency and reduce costs to acquire when these things are done right? Is it are we talking, you know, small 10-15% are we talking multiples? What what do you think? I mean, it's I think it's all testing. So it's hard to give you percentage from my experience. I mean, I've I've also advised companies that are spending $10 million a year on ad spend and the inbound is generating 100% of the revenue. I've worked with a couple of companies that are spending $80 million on ad spend. You know, I think the sophistication of testing comes in place there where you're looking at your channels, you're looking at your campaigns, your keywords, and just, you know, how rigorous do you want to be in that ongoing management? You know, I like using external SEO agencies and and having them do the day-to-day work so your internal person is doing that strategic looking at the efficiencies and how it follows through to revenue. 
And, you know, it's also looking at how those leads, you know, culminate into the conversations that are having and, you know, okay, what, what conversation is the SDR having and how can I change my copy based on the conversation that that campaign is driving with the SDRs? That's really smart to do. And you change the copy on the landing page and you change the copy on the ads. You know, you basically are trying to accelerate that conversation by giving them the content from those first conversations. So by the time they hit the SDR, they're at the next level of conversation, not the, not the first level. You know, I, I think it's all about testing. And I've seen ad spend be anywhere from, you know, 25 to 50% of companies' program spend. Fantastic. Well, Sydney, this is a great conversation. I, I know there's tons of actionable tidbits in there for folks who are listening. Take those and run with them. So thank you for chatting with me again. Always fun. It's my pleasure. All right, so now that Sydney's walked us through that case from the time that she was at Sales Loft, let's talk about the motion, right? Sales Loft is not on the PLG side of things. Obviously, that is a, a, a big platform to adopt. It requires, you know, it's more on the mid-market enterprise side of sales-led. So what would change if we were talking about this with the lens of a product-led or product-led sales assist type of motion. Obviously, the tools change, right? The specific types of platforms and technology that you can leverage to build in personalization and sophistication on the product-led sales assist side as opposed to the enterprise side, those two things look quite different. Whereas on the enterprise side, you're looking at account-based marketing programs and platforms And on the sales assist side or product-led side, you're really needing to surface product insights. I think I've mentioned Endgame before, and there are others out there where you are able to surface what is happening, moments that are happening, insights from the product to the sales team and marketing team such that they can action that and get involved in moments of splendor or what have you. Many other technologies out there, obviously, that's just one example But aside from that, this idea of carrying personalized messaging through every step in the buyer journey remains consistent. It remains true and it remains necessary. So that piece of it and this deep understanding of who uses your product and making sure that we're speaking their language to them in the right places, that's all universal. That doesn't change regardless of your selling motion. So in this case... Whereas sometimes when we talk about changing the selling motion, it it introduces a lot of change to how we would interpret strategies and tactics. I would say very little change here, more so around the tools and platforms, and that's just about it. So with that, we will wrap up today's episode. And as always, thanks for listening. As always, if you're interested to see how today's company scored on the Demand Efficiency Index, or for that matter, to see all of the companies in the Demand Efficiency Index, by industry, selling motion, and size, you can join our free Slack community. Uh, There you will be able to interact with every guest who's been on the show and even take the evaluation yourself and see how your company stacks up against prior guests. To join the Slack community, head over to mattermade.co forward slash pod, where you'll see all of the relevant links to join. Again, that's mattermade.co forward slash pod.